there wasn't really like a planned route of, hey, I'm going to go from doing, you know, fast casual restaurants into a bottled beverage. It was really just sticking to the passions of what I wanted to to get involved with and the people that I wanted to get involved with. And it's just kind of slowly grown from there. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we sit down with Patrick Schwarzenegger, who is the founder of Mosh and also the founder of Achilles Advisors. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me on. How you doing? Oh, doing great. It's going to be a fun conversation. So before we get into the story of Mosh and your own journey as a founder, I want to start of how you got into CPG investing. What was your first investment and what attracted you to the space? Well, I think first off, how I started as, a, as an investor was just out of being a struggling, frustrated customer. You know, I grew up in a household where we weren't really allowed to have the junk food. You know, we didn't have Cocoa Puffs and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups or Starbucks Frappuccinos with 40 grams of sugar, all that kind of stuff. You know, my dad was very conscious about what he gave us kids and about the food that he put in his body. And I remember when, you know, I was, you know, finishing up high school and I started to get into working out and weight training and, and different things. And I started going to the grocery store. I was kind of shocked at how little of, of options there were out there that were delicious, but also nutritious, you know, and something that was really good for you. And, and um, so I kind of made it my, my mission to kind of go out there and look for different products that were speaking to this, that were offering customers a better for you alternative, something that was healthier, less sugar, more protein, cleaner ingredients, uh, cleaner, uh, you know, labels and stuff like that. And um, that's how it started. So it kind of just started on accident. And that was really before this whole craze, you know, I mean, the only, the only uh, companies that were really out there doing it was like vitamin water and, and, um, you know, uh, naked juice and all those kinds of things, which were still filled with so much sugar. So my first investment was one called Blaze Pizza. And we started that, I think it was in like 2012, I think it's 10 years ago now. I had no idea about investing. I had no idea about operating a business. I, I didn't know anything, but I was working as an internship for a guy named John Davis. And um, he was a film producer and I knew I wanted to do film and business. And he had just exited out of a company called Wetzel's Pretzels. And they were like, you know, we're going to start to work on the, the, um, the Chipotle for pizza, the subway for pizza. And we want it to be very, you know, transparent with where we get the ingredients and allow the customers to pick the ingredients and have it made right in front of them. And, and, um, and I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want to do. This lines up, you know, exactly with um, how I want to learn about business. Like I'm going to invest. And um, that was the first investment. And that company grew to almost 400 stores. And I was like, wow, this is easy. I just made <laughs> millions of dollars on my first small investment. I'm going to do this forever. And so I sold out of that and, and put all the money towards other companies. And um, it was not as easy as that company was, but it's been uh, a great time since. You know, coming from that investment, you could have kept going down the path of, you know, other QSR type restaurants, if you will. What made you move into the more better for you in the packaged goods space of well, so once I sold it and I had money, my own, you know, real money, I basically was like, okay, look, I, I'm in a pretty unique situation. I'm 20 years old. I'm in college. I'm studying business. 
you know, I just made a lot of money and my generation is the generation that cares about, you know, this less sugar and the more protein. The millennial generation was really the stepping stone of the group that really was demanding it from people. And you were hearing of different companies, Facebook, Snapchat, you know, that were started by people in their 20s and stuff like that, dropping out of school or using uh, the entrepreneur program at school to create the products, Rx. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go out and, and um, find other young entrepreneurs that are tackling this. And um, the first one I really ran across was Super Coffee, which was, you know, three brothers in their dorm rooms that kind of started this idea to, to tackle the uh, Starbucks Frappuccino to offer a alternative with instead of 30 or 40 grams of sugar with no sugar and, um, you know, and make protein in it and, and basically make a breakfast on the go. And um, again, I really didn't know much about investing or, you know, the, uh, the CPG and the, and the uh, beverage space and stuff like that. But I really believed in them and their mission. And I was becoming a coffee addict myself. And so I, uh, I invested and went on the journey with them. And that was, God, five, six years ago, whatever it was now. And that company, too, has grown from, you know, that was before they were doing a million and revenue to now doing over a hundred it's uh you know that's been a, a fun one to watch as well so there wasn't really like a planned route of hey i'm going to go from doing you know fast casual restaurants into a bottled beverage it was really just sticking to the passions of what i wanted to to get involved with and the people that i wanted to get involved with and it's just kind of slowly grown from there when you think about that growth over the last six years, you know, starting with Super Coffee, how has your investment style changed of how you look to engage with the brands and work with them? Yeah, well, it's completely changed. The whole industry has completely changed. The amount of competition has completely changed. You know, one of the beautiful things about entrepreneurship and about this space is that anybody can go and start a company. You know, I've heard of tons of success stories of people starting a uh, a popcorn company outside of the the stadium and it growing to becoming, you know, the boom chicka pop, or you hear about the RX where they're starting it in their, their kitchen or your, your, you know, the super coffee where they were first blending it in the dorm room. So that's the beautiful part about this is that it's the American dream is very alive and, and well in the, in the CPG space. But that means that a lot of people are going to go towards it. And um, today, you know, I get sent brands almost every day. It used to be, you know, once every few months, you'd get a cool brand. Now it's almost like daily, I get a new brand. So I've had to be way more kind of rigorous with the processes of, of investing and really kind of create a guideline. But it's, it really falls down onto, you know, number one, I have to believe in the, the entrepreneur behind it, the CEO, their mission. I've got to believe in the actual product. It's got to be something that I would use. And it has to be really applicable towards mass America something that's, you know, not too extremely niche, but something that can be for the masses. So I want to talk about that founder you mentioned of you, you have to believe in them and their mission and what they're doing. A lot of these founders, they're first time founders, you know, super coffee, yeah. three brothers, they never launched something before. What right. gives you the faith in them being the people that can really take this mission and this vision and turn it into a business? Well, I mean, I, I didn't, I think at the time I was too naive to know, you know, about being a first time founder, you know, with super coffee, you know, but again, so many of these companies have been, you know, successful companies have been made by people that are first time founders. So I'm not necessarily 
scared to invest in a first-time founder as long as they're extremely passionate and, <clears throat> and hungry to make it a success. You know, Liquid IV was a first-time founder. Super Coffee was a first-time founder. Nugs is a first-time founder. Any, you know, pretty much all of my, majority of my companies are because most of them are founded by young entrepreneurs who understand the, the opportunity, who understand what the, the issue is out in the marketplace and are trying to address it. And uh, the unique thing about me is, you know, I'm, I'm technically kind of, I was a first time investor, you know, it was, uh, but I had very strategic relationships from our family, from the company, you know, from Blaze, uh, from the individuals that I knew, the celebrities that I knew to seed the products to, you know, this was all before, you know, influencer paid ads, you know, all this different stuff. So we kind of had a little bit of a leg up and actually bringing, you know, celebrities in on the cap table, getting them in on Blaze, getting them. You know, LeBron coming and being the face of it on Super Coffee, getting A-Rod and Aaron Rodgers and other people like that. Now it's become more of a norm, but six, eight, ten years ago, you didn't see it as much. You know, after six years on the investing side, what made you want to launch Mosh and move into being on the operator side? Truthfully, it was always part of the plan for me was prove out this better for you health and wellness space, prove out that I could make investments that were successful. Uh, that I can make money from it, that it's a growing total addressable market, that big companies are buying some of these smaller companies because they lack on the innovation and, and, and execution. And then how do I take that kind of stuff and then go and create our own product lines within this marketplace? Something that we could own, you know, 80, 90 plus percentage of and use our manufacturing, our website builders, our branding, you know, all the different stuff we've learned to really pop a company off right away and self-finance it because what we've seen is that, you know, a lot of times in a lot of these companies, a entrepreneur, a CEO spends 30, 40% of the year um, or his whole business career, you know, raising money, basically taking them away from what he or she is, is really needing to focus on and, and meant to do. So we kind of thought, okay, if we can get in this position where we can self-finance it and not have to worry about those parts in the early runs and really focus on building the company and already have the resources to get it off the ground quickly, we could have something that was successful right away. And then when COVID happened, and I moved home with my mom, and she was, you know, she dedicated her life towards Alzheimer's and towards uh, brain health research, and she's done all these different things for Alzheimer's books documentaries, TV shows, um, events, coloring books, you know, the women's Alzheimer's movement with Cluton Clinic, all that came to a halt with COVID. And um, I moved home with her and I was like, hey, you know, this is, my dream has always been to continue my, my uh, building companies and, and to actually build one ourselves. You want to speak towards, you know, educating consumers about what they eat and drink impacts their brain health. You know, my work's on pause, yours on pause, like let's combine forces and, and really create something that's meaningful to you and to me, make a mission-driven company out of it and, um, and launch this. And that's kind of just what we did. It was just kind of like the perfect timing, also the worst timing, but the perfect timing to do it. And, um, you know, the company was really born out of a mission and, and uh, it's been so far, it's just been a rocket ship. And uh, everything that we've kind of you know, learn to do and set up to do has come true and become extremely helpful and, and uh, we continue to grow it. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. 
Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. So as you think about this mission of brain health and everything that goes into it, how did that lead to the decisions that you made from packaging to ingredients to how you really went to market? Yeah, well, you know, as uh, I mean, we went as granular as possible. I mean, starting with the packaging, the colors and the actual gradation on the, the packaging is derived from the brain scan. So that was really important for us is just trying to stay true to the mission at all times and going from there. So that was one of the things we worked with some of the doctors and nutritionists from the people my mom has worked with, with the Alzheimer's Association and Cleveland Clinic, et cetera. And, um, you know, I think the, the first thing is we knew that we had to tell the customer, we knew ourselves that we're not going to make something that's going to cure anything. We're not making anything that's going to prevent Alzheimer's or anything like that. But we did know that there are foods and there are things that people can do today that will help their brain health tomorrow. And foods are one of those things. And we know that there's a mind diet. There's something that about eating less sugar, eating flavanols, eating high healthy fats are incorporating into people that are, that are having healthier brains. So that's really what we wanted to do. We wanted to have no sugar. We wanted to incorporate specific vitamins that were beneficial for the brain, like vitamin B12 and B3. We wanted to have uh, good healthy fats like flax seeds and chia seeds and almonds. We wanted to have protein and we wanted to have, you know, some of these other newer functional mushrooms like lion's mane, ashwagandha, et cetera, to all be part of this product and speak towards a brain healthy diet. And with that, what made you lead into uh, using the bar as kind of the format that you wanted to launch in? So the bar, funny enough, my mom's addicted to bars. Like she had to give it up for Lent. That's how addicted she is. So that was what was most true to our story. Probably wasn't the best thing to do via, uh, you know, regarding margins and the competition in the bar space. However, it was exactly what she wanted to do. And, you know, it was for me to make that kind of dream become a reality. But we're not trying to be a bar brand. We're not trying to be a protein bar brand. We're trying to be a brain health brand and create different product lines that speak towards that. So, you know, we have a lot of things that we're working on in the cards from other flavors to the bars to supplements or powders and other things that all speak towards brain health. You know, and talk about those choices that you, you made for the, the business overall. You've also launched as a D2C brand with subscription as kind of a key element for that. With all your experience with retail and everything else, what led you to look at that as the model for initially starting? Well, you have to remember, we launched this during COVID. So retail was down double digits year over year, of course. Um, The bar space was down over 20 points year over year. We also didn't know if customers would care about eating for their brain health. And we were launching this really just us. So we wanted to do direct to consumer for a couple of reasons. One, to find out if there was proof of concept. Number two, to be able to communicate with our customers and figure out what did they like or not like about the product before we went into retail. 
Three, we wanted to figure out more information about our customers, who the demo was, who was buying it, why they were buying it, and what other product lines would they be interested in, in receiving from us? What were the biggest issues that they were having in their daily life that we could help take care of for them when it came to brain health? And those things and the communication we can have in the community we can build is, you know, way better, way easier through direct-to-consumer than it is in retail. So those three reasons were the main, main ones of why we started direct-to-consumer. It's in our intent and it is our goal to go to retail next, probably next year, but we wanted to, um, we had a very clear path of how we would get there and what the best route was to, to continue to speak with our customers before getting there. You mentioned you didn't know if people would care about brain health, but over the life of the brand, you've already sold out multiple times, running out of inventory on Alzheimer's Day and Giving Tuesday. How did you keep consumers engaged during those times where the inventory wasn't necessarily available to click purchase? Really, we were just transparent. Um, we sent emails, we did videos um, saying, you know, hey guys, look, we we launched this as mother and son. We didn't take outside capital. We we really wanted to find out did, was there demand there. You know, we made you know a hundred whatever thousand bars on our first run, thinking we didn't know how much how long that would last. We sold out right away in, in the first day. Hey, there's then we made videos about hey, look, there's these supply chain things, educating consumers about that. That was a big topic last fall. You know, saying we have stuff you know stuck at the you know we have boxes and and our our caddies and wrappers that are stuck at the ports. You know, just continuing to be transparent, being like, look, we're going through this right now. This is our first time running this business. We're doing it through a, a weird, unique time of COVID. We're going to have hiccups. We're sorry. And kind of just taking them along the journey. And they all kind of stuck around. I mean, then when we relaunched on Giving Tuesday, we did double what we did on, on launch day um, on that first day again. And then we sold out again. So it was just like, and I think people were just really interested in the mission and why we created the product and the give back. And on Giving Tuesday, we doubled the donations, you know, and in the last year, we donated over $20,000 between, uh, you know, me and my mom and, and Mosh when we doubled the, the donation. So, you know, that's really cool. That was our, our dream. And that was our goal was to create a company that was good for the customer, good for their brain that um, educated them about brain health and that also gave back. And we wanted to prove to other people that you can do a mission-driven company, that you can have a for-profit, but also give back and raise awareness, et cetera. You know, fast forward to today, you know, you're running Mosh, you're investing through Achilles with all the investments you made over the years, and then you have plenty of other endeavors in your professional life as an actor, et cetera. How do you balance every single day and wearing those different hats? Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> you know, the film space, you know, I just had this new miniseries come out on HBO called Staircase, and I'm filming The Boys right now for Amazon. The film space is really unique because you can, you know, work every day for a few days and you have a few days off, or, you know, they call it the hurry up and wait because there's just so much downtime on set. So, I mean, I, I, I set up my trailer as my office, and I just always – crank out work in between little break times and stuff like that. But I would say I'm less active on the investment side now and really mostly just focused on Mosh because that was kind of the phase two of my career anyways, was all the investments and everything like that was leading towards us going and creating our own companies in-house. So Mosh is, is pretty much my baby. Um, it's what I spend most of the day and every day 
on when it's not, you know, when I'm not filming and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's not uh, always the easiest the time management. That's for sure. That's perfect. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, share more about your journey as an investor and uh, the launch with Mosh. So thank you for, uh, for all of that. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And, and thanks for taking the time and look forward to checking this out when it's done. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com. 